If your litter box could talk, what would it say to you? Good morning, lovely day, isn't it? Or perhaps, what's up with all the clay dust and chemicals you're laying on me and the cat? If that's the case, consider World's Best Cat Litter. It's virtually dust-free, quick clumping, and lasts twice as long as clay litter. And because it's made from corn, it's chemical-free and a naturally safe choice. World's Best Cat Litter, the number one selling natural litter brand for a reason. Good afternoon, Grace. Good afternoon, Ohenya. How are you on this lovely grey afternoon? Well, I'm ready to unfold a very, very well-known mystery, mm -hmm. perhaps by a listener request. We are covering today the story of the lost girls in Panama, Chris Kremers and Lisanne Fron. That's right. Two Dutch backpackers who, with... Seemingly good intentions, went over to volunteer for the uh, education, uh, teaching English to remote uh, schools, at remote schools, and unfortunately seem to have succumbed to foul play in their, uh, in their downtime. After a trip in the jungle. So who were Chris Gremers and Lisanne from? Lisanne was born the 24th of September of 1991 in the Netherlands and had uh, recently graduated from her studies in applied psychology. She had met Chris Kremers, whom was uh, just a bit younger than her. Chris Kremers was born the 9th of August of 1992 and they had met while working for the same restaurant in the Netherlands and also shared a dorm room in university. They had been planning to do, um, how do you call it? Yeah, a sabbatical, year. a gap year or, mm -hmm. you know, a lot, of, a lot of you have different names for that particular period of your life where you take some time off to go and volunteer or perhaps travel or just work abroad. These two girls decided to do a period of teaching in Panama. They had taken plane the 15th of March of 2014, doing a scale in Costa Rica and eventually arriving at Bocas del Toro in Panama, where they spent a couple of days enjoying the beach, doing some tourist visit, having mm -hmm. fun, meeting other international travelers and the people of the area. Until the, 20, the 29th of, of March, they arrive into Boquete, a small, not sure if I should uh, say city, perhaps a small Town, a, a, large, a large regional town, perhaps. Yeah, um, in Panama. Yeah, um, which nearly 20,000 yes. inhabitants. So it's sizable. It's fairly sizable. Um, I'd say it's probably like a regional, regional centre is probably the best way to describe it. The girls had a previously arranged with a kindergarten, the Guarderia Aura, mm -hmm. that they would do some volunteer by um, precisely the 29th or the 30th of uh, March. 
um, they were seeking for uh, people with a medium intermediate knowledge of Spanish and um, according to Hans Kremers, the father of Chris Kremers, the girls had actually gotten an email confirming the, sta the start of their volunteer yep. in the Guarderia Aura. Yet, once the girls got to the place, they found themselves with a very different story. They were sent away mm -hmm. from the kindergarten. Apparently, they had been told that they were the people in the school were too busy to have them volunteer, and apparently, their knowledge of Spanish was actually very little. So, apparently, the headmaster. Mm -hmm of the kindergarten complained about this. And Lisanne Front sent a text message to her family saying that they had been sent away and that they were very disappointed by mm. the fact. So where were the girls staying at that moment? Well, they were staying at a... Um, Some type of a hostel. hostel. And or then, more like a family house, maybe... Like a, a homestay. Yeah, homestay. Mm -mm -mm. Um, I think that, you know, this rejection sort of uh, pushed them to pick up their Spanish skills a little bit in the short time that they, that they had. Um, Actually, the owner a, of mm -hmm. the house where they were staying, uh, a woman from the area called, named Miriam Guerra, actually suggested suggested them mm -hmm. uh, to go for a different school. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't really a school. It was like a king kindergarten, like a very small children. Mm -hmm. But uh, according to what Miriam Guerra afterwards said, mm -hmm. uh, she told them to go to the Casa Esperanza, which was like a similar... Yeah. Like volunteer work center. But apparently that place was also busy and couldn't mm -hmm. take the help of the girls. So they were... Very disappointed, but being already there in Boquetes or far away from any mm. other big city, they had decided to engage in some trekking. I think they thought that while they were there, they might as well enjoy themselves and take in as much as they could see some of the absolutely stunning mm -hmm. natural sites and some of the reserves and, and you know go hiking on some of the fairly well-known trails. On Tuesday, the 1st of April of 2014, the girls decided to go on a hike to the Pianista Trail, mm -hmm. or El Pianista, which means the piano player in Spanish. So they had been uh, talking a little bit with Miriam and the people from a Spanish exchange school that it's called uh, Spanish by the River, mm -hmm. that it turned out to be a Spanish and Dutch collaboration. collaboration. Mm -hmm. So they had been um, searching for information for the different places that they could see. So they mm -hmm. decided to go to the El Pianista. Trail. And they decided to go by themselves, even though both Miriam and the people from the language exchange school actually uh, advised them to take a tour guide mm. with them. Yep. They had actually booked a tour, a tour yep. but yep. that was for the following day, on Wednesday, the 2nd of April. Mm -hmm. On Tuesday, 1st of April, a taxi driver later on uh, testified that he picked the girls at around at the afternoon and left them at the beginning of the Pianista Trail at about 13.40 p.m. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, uh, the people from the uh, 
exchange school that was actually very near to the host family where they were staying also testified that they had seen the girls leaving the house at 1 p.m. The girls allegedly started the trail around two o'clock, I think, by the time they they got there. Um, And the the taxi driver dropped them off. And, uh, yeah, according to uh, phone email, uh, sorry, text SMSs that were sent to... uh, Stefan, the boyfriend of Chris Mm -hmm. Kremers, I believe. Yep, that appears to be the time that they, you know, got there. Um, And, you know, by all accounts, um, they had, you know, done, um, you know, sort of soft preparation, I'd say. It's, um, while it was advised that they take tour guide, it wasn't, like it was, you know, cutting through heavy jungle or, you know, climbing up uh, sheer cliff faces or uh, having to traverse rivers or anything like that. It was it was a fairly well-worn path and it, by all accounts, wasn't considered super challenging. However, that being However. said, you should never completely trust a trail. You know, you're, you're always likely to come up against things um however they you know they did pack um for a short trip and dressed as such um yeah they aside from taking their phones and you know a digital camera you know they took water bottles snacks a bit of food they had their backpacks um so yeah you know they they just dressed and packed for a soft hike for a soft hike (laughs) for a for an easy hike yes so and they had allegedly taken a a dog with themselves a dog named azul which means uh, blue for spanish but i said allegedly because there is actually no evidence that this dog ever went to them Mm. with with this with them Uh, the dog uh, supposedly belongs to the owners of a restaurant that is called Il Pianista, and a restaurant that it's actually, it's like located almost next to the beginning of the trail. Mm. A site on the internet tells us that going up to the Pianista trail until the Mirador summit, which is... Considered the, the apex of the trail. Takes you approximately nine kilometers and around five hours and 40 minutes on average, like mm-hmm. going to the summit and going back where the trail starts so that would be like two hours and a half mm-hmm. until the summit itself yeah well, it's probably yeah i mean it's three hours up because it's you know it's always more difficult going up and then when you're coming back down it's usually you know descending's a bit quicker a because yeah. it's going downhill and b because you know you know the trail a little bit so you know you you descend a little bit quicker as well so it should be like i'm intermediate difficulty of a hike yet the girls never came back to Boquete they were never seen alive from that day and this is when it gets all murky so remember that we said uh, that they had um, booked a tour guide for the next day on Wednesday with a from a native from Boquete, a man called Feliciano. So the following morning, the Wednesday 2nd of April, Feliciano had booked that appointment at 8 a.m., but 
the girls never encountered him. No. So he proceeded to go to the house of Miriam Guerra because it looks like he knew where Chris and Lisanne were staying. And surprisingly enough, they weren't there either. Mm. So it was the tour guide exactly. It was Feliciano whom actually um, suggested to contact the authorities mm-hmm. on that very same day. <clears throat> That's right. He, yeah, he was the one who raised the alarm because, yeah, as as you said, he they were due to meet him and as he found out, they hadn't come home the night before. And the families of the girls didn't know anything about them since the 1st of April. Hans Kremers would later say that he sent a message to his daughter on the 3rd of April, but didn't get any sort of reply. And it was around that very same day that mm. uh, the people in Boquete actually got to contact the families. Mm. Around that time, tour guide with uh, the police and also an organization called Sinaproc that basically works whenever any sort of uh, natural disaster happens. It's like like a rescue team. Yeah, um, but yeah, the emergency. Yeah, I guess the the emergency services, a branch of emergency services. So by the sixth of April. One of the parents, uh, we don't know exactly who was, uh, boarded a plane from the Netherlands and traveled to Panama. And he was actually uh, with some private detectives. Well, it, it appears that he was actually with uh, some, yeah, some Dutch detectives <clears throat> from the Dutch police force, um, and they liaised quite closely with the local authorities, the Panamanian authorities. And for the next 10 days, conducted a fairly extensive search of the area with canine uh, units. units. Uh, I think uh, uh, they also use like an aerial mm-hmm. That's, yep, search they... with helicopters around uh, Boquete and around El Pianista Trail. Yeah, unfortunately family... didn't turn up any results. Exactly. And the families, both of the families actually offered a reward of... 13,000 American yeah, dollars. 30, $30,000, yeah, American dollars, which for Panama the would be an absolute or is an absolute fortune. And yet they didn't know anything about them for about 10 weeks in which one of the first breakthroughs of the case happened. It was a local woman um, handed over to police a blue lycra backpack, which... She found next to a river, lodged next to a rock. Um, it was it was found to be Lizanne's. This backpack was found by a woman called mm-hmm. Irma Mirando that belongs to an indigenous community that lives in Alto Romero. That is basically a settlement that is around 17 kilometers away from Boquete. Mm-hmm. So it was found at a extremely long distance, the backpack. Yes. I mean, and what Irma and her husband would say later on in a documentary made for the Travel Channel is that they actually uh, contacted a rancher that mm-hmm. had a house near the Alto Romero. Mm-hmm. And this man turned out to be Feliciano, the tour guide that we already Heard about, and I don't know exactly why uh, they choose to give the backpack to Feliciano. Perhaps I'm wondering um, 
this family maybe didn't have uh, an access to a cell phone or any other contact, mm. and that's why they approach Feliciano. So the backpack got to the police, or the police went to pick the backpack with a helicopter. Mm. Uh, approximately 48 hours after the backpack was found mm -hmm. next to the river La Culebra, which means the serpent. <laughs> And what was found in the backpack? Well, where are we? Uh... It was found uh, two pairs of sunglasses, two, two bras that belongs to the girls, their cell phones, a Samsung and an iPhone, mm -hmm. the camera, the digital camera that they were using for that day, a SanDisk a memory card, 88 American dollars, one bottle of water, empty, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And some other minor stuff. Yeah, that keychain are... and video, uh, and uh, yeah, a keychain and uh, keys and um, cough lozenges and uh, just, yeah, little bits and pieces. So this is the first piece um, of evidence that we had around uh, the case. We found, uh, so first of all, Irma would claim that it was the first time she had seen this item, that she went to the river to do some, I think she was going to do the laundry mm. by the river, and that's where they found it. So it's a place that is pretty close to that settlement, yet she had never seen the back before. Mm -hmm. And the first question that arise is how did the belongings go to that place so far away from the last place the girls were seen? Mm -hmm. Also, it appears to be that backpack was completely dry, that it had some minor scratches. Yeah, some minor, it's, yeah, some minor tears, so a bit of scuffing that made it look like perhaps it had been... Drag? Dragged or Drag around, but yeah. all in all, it was in good condition. Mm. And the digital camera and the Samsung that were actually working. The mm -hmm. iPhone had taken some water damage. Yes, but the the belongings were actually uh, yeah, and it was possible to mm. to operate. Yeah. And and more to the point, exactly. you know, there wasn't any water to short out the electrics inside the uh, other, uh, the camera and the other, and the Samsung phone, which, you know, if, if something's going to get submerged, it's, it's not going, unless you really put a lot of effort into drying it out and cleaning it, yes. it's not gonna, it's not gonna switch on again without, you know, the magic smoke coming up. So in my mind, that would kind of imply that it didn't go in the water, if that's the case. But also the fact that it was all found in one backpack, Exactly, and this is like a subtropical forest, so it's also very curious that it wasn't very damaged. Mm. So what the forensic, the Panamanian, and afterwards the Dutch forensics mm. found was that on the very same day of the disappearance of the girls, the 1st of April, at uh, 1648, a first attempt to call... Uh, the emergency services was done from the iPhone that belonged to Chris Kramer. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, also a call to the 111 was made from the Samsung that belonged to Lisanne. Mm -hmm. And the 111 is basically the uh, emergency number from uh, the Netherlands. 
the forensic will show later on that a total of seven attempt calls were made either to the 112, the 112, mm-hmm. and also 911. That is the emergency number of the United States, but also mm-hmm. Panama. That's right. Internationally as well, uh, because of the you know, the prevalence of a lot of emergency numbers, yes. if you dial those numbers in, they will automatically link you to the local emergency services anyway, because when you're panicking, 911, 000, yes. whatever your whatever your local emergency number is, you know, it's it, it all gets directed back to yeah. an emergency service. So uh, with that in mind, they had dialed mm-hmm. quite a few times. So the 3rd of April was the last day also that they attempted to make a call. In one of the occasions, a small connection was able to be done, but it uh, shortly disconnected because the very bad... uh, Reception in the area. The forensic would also show that the phone, uh, Chris's phone, was being used until the 11th of Mm -hmm. April. Yes. Someone, and we're going to say someone, had been also trying to unblock the cell phone from the 6th of April to the 11th of April. Mm -hmm. And we say try because what? Apparently the forensics were able to see that someone was entering a PIN code that was incorrect Mm. or they just weren't introducing a PIN code in the cell phone. They were just randomly trying to put numbers in or perhaps half-remembering the pin code or checking the Mm. signal on the phone and the iphone also had battery which is very remarkable Mm -hmm. by the time it was found meanwhile the samsung of lisan had uh, was empty on the 5th of april Mm -hmm. i mean it is possible if you turned the phone off Mm -hmm. because you were getting no reception and or just relying on this the one phone until it ran out of battery and then swapping to the other phone once that battery had run out. So who... And another very important piece of evidence that was uh, subject to a lot of speculation was the digital camera Mm. that was found in the backpack and the pictures that were inside of it. Mm. There were a total of 133 pictures that belong from the beginning of the trip. Like we can... And you can also access to these pictures on the internet in which you can see the girls when they were in Boca del Toro, that is, before they arrived to Oquete. Mm-hmm. And finally, there are pictures of the very same day that they did the trail, or, well, what people have been uh, doing comparisons. We actually can uh, suppose from mm-hmm. the pictures that the girls actually did the trail, the Pianista trail, mm-hmm. and they actually arrived to the summit. But what's... Um, small detail about the timestamp that appears in the camera. Do you remember any of that? So there is a picture in which by the timestamp we can assume that the girls arrived to the summit at approximately at 12.42 p.m. And that is very curious for two reasons. First, that actually the time stamp in the com- uh, in the camera had to be recalculated because it looks like the girls didn't change the the international uh, yeah. time from that of yeah, the they, Netherlands. They had it from the Netherlands, so the detectives and the forensics had to recalculate it mm-hmm. for some. Curious reasons the girls didn't... Uh, yeah, well, if they it. had the battery in it and it was just saved there, then they just didn't go around to it, I'm assuming, which, you know, 
we all do that. But the thing is, and some people had analyzed the pictures and by the by the direction of the sun, mm -hmm. you can actually assume that the girls got by the summit at around uh, between midday and 1 p.m. But when was the time in which people saw that the girls were going into the trail? They were seen to be leaving at about 1 p.m. Exactly. Day. So it would appear that they stayed somewhere overnight. Or no, it... that they started the trail uh, earlier than what the witnesses said uh, that well, they saw them. Miriam true. Guerra, actually the hostess of the house, mm -hmm. uh, actually didn't get to see the girls on that day. She uh, would later testify that she just uh, mm -hmm. left um, breakfast for mm -hmm. the girls to eat it. And she never saw them uh, mm -hmm. on that very same day. So we have two contradictory contradictory, contradictory. evidence mm. the witnesses the taxi driver mm. that says that left the girls at the beginning of the trail mm -hmm. at one forty, and the people that saw the girls leaving the house at 1 p.m I, mm. i think they actually left the house at 1 30 they took the mm -hmm. cab and the cab took 10 minutes to go to the beginning yeah. of the trail yeah So we got like very normal pictures of uh, Chris and Lisanne uh, doing the hike on a sunny, nice day without any sort of weird, murky weather. Mm. We have the pictures that place them in the summit. And then the pictures, the daytime pictures follow through, indicating that the girls keep on going. And there are different interpretations of this. Some people say that... They actually um, went forward mm. the summit. And the thing is, the trail that is after the summit, it's not actually... Uh, it's not It's not properly marked out. And it's, kept for tourists. Yeah. It, it is possible to continue and uh, head a little, well, a, a bit deeper into the, uh, into the, the area. However... Yeah, it isn't intended as, as part of the, the tourist trek or the the official trek. And it is a lot more overgrown and unmarked. So It is known for the people in the area, the natives that walk around with their cattle or they live around the settlements. Mm. But anyhow, it's, mm. um, well, yeah, it's not appropriate. And it's also called uh, Sendero La Culebra because it uh, actually ends up uh, going through a couple of rivers, and one of them mm. is called La Culebra. That includes also some monkey bridges mm -hmm. in which you can attempt to cross mm. around. So people speculate that the girls, for whatever reason, mm. because it was early, yep. because they had nothing else to do, mm -hmm. they decided to move on. And then, so we have the pictures that we can assume belong to the 1st of April. Mm -hmm. And the camera shows no activity until the 8th of April. And so the camera shows no activity until the 8th of April. That is roughly a week after mm -hmm. they were last seen alive. The pictures, the night pictures are very interesting. They, well, they seem to be... They have been taken within a span of uh, two hours between mm -hmm. uh, 1.30 p.m 
a.m. and 4.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. and there are a span of 99 pictures in which we can see... Well, the sky, the stars. Um... It's like hard to figure out why they were taken mm. also. Because it appears they were taken with a flash as yes, well. Yes, exactly. So if you were trying to take photos of the, the night sky for whatever reason, it wouldn't be probably the best idea to do it with a flash on. You probably wouldn't catch much of it, which, you know, uh, would indicate that the the aim of taking the photos wasn't too necessarily... Important. Yeah, uh, to capture anything to do with the night sky. It, like, there's a lot of speculation. Maybe they were trying to get someone's attention. Maybe... They were trying to, maybe we are, if we are assuming that uh, it's mm. Chris and Lisanne, the ones that are using the camera, maybe they were trying to use the flash to as a, a light source mm. in the jungle. Or, well, they weren't, the, the police wasn't doing any sort of nighttime aerial search, no. which is interesting. And I don't think they would do any search at nighttime in a forest. No. So that's a thing. And there's also a picture that shows like a close-up of Chris Kramer's hair. And we can only assume that because the hair that we see is uh, uh, redhead, mm-hmm. like strawberry blonde. It looks like Chris Kramer's hair. Mm-hmm. And this picture was uh, uh, also like an object of speculation. Some people in the internet claim to see blood and a wound in her head or even her face or her eyes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't see any of that. No. I think maybe someone is trying too hard to... Trying to figure out this case. There's also a picture in which there is a rock and a branch with a couple of... um, uh, Like a red plastic bag Mm. tied to it. So maybe they were trying to do some sort of sign, some landmark. Yeah. To... Perhaps leave a trail or or at least allow them to come back later and you know try a different direction or but why would you be running around in the forest at night time at the same time well it's possible that it's out of desperation certainly um it's possible they thought that they well why would anyone do that i mean the the classic the the classic uh, uh the cl- the classic situation is well, the classic scenario is that you're always told to stay put when you get lost because you're, you eventually will have a, a search party sent after you and the less you stray off mm-hmm. a path or stray further into danger, it's, it's better for search results. However, it, in, in these classic scenarios, the people, due to panic usually or for, for a seems sometimes good reason, will ignore that or in the panic completely forget about it and continue to travel further and further thinking they're going the right way or that they'll eventually come up against some man-made landmark yeah. like a road or a train track or a house and then that will result in their uh, safe safe return. 
There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. However, this didn't seem to be the case. But there is another mysterious or detailed anomaly anomaly in the the camera pictures as Mm -hmm. well. And that is... One of the pictures appears to have been deleted. Permanently. Permanently. And then photographed over or... So the number of the... Well, the the stamp, the, the permanent memory stamp that is attached to individual photos indicates that one of the photos or videos or videos it could be a video archive the Mm -hmm. number 509 Mm -hmm. was deleted and it was deleted permanently so neither the forensics the panamanian forensics or the dutch forensic Mm -hmm. could recover that uh, that file and it turns out to be the file that it's between the day pictures in which we can see uh, chris and lisanne on the trail Mm-hmm. alive and well apparently and then the very ominous and unexplainable night pictures that they were taking on the 8th of april mm-hmm. so that's a week afterwards yes they were disappear so the theories about what could happen with that file is mm. either could be a glitch in the camera mm-hmm. or that it had been Deleted with the um, by using a computer software. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is a very interesting theory to think about. After all, the girls didn't have any computer with them. No, or it wasn't found mm-hmm. when the backpack was found. But then again, I don't think they would have taken a computer no. into a hike. No, coming back to June mm-hmm. when the backpack and all this evidence were found. Well, the police started a new research uh, around the area of Alto Romero, where the backpack was was found. And on the 19th of June, uh, Betsaida PT, that is basically the Panamanian authority, Mm -hmm. the, I don't know, the chief inspector. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't find exactly the term Mm -hmm. in English translated. But she had confirmed that some uh, human remains mm. were found around the river La Culebra. 
it should also be pointed out that the where the where the uh, pack was found was several kilometers up river from if uh, the nearest contact point. Something around nine kilometers from the summit of El Pianista mm. Trail and uh, up river. More uh, to the point. We have to point out that that was up the river for very good reasons. Mm-hmm. What were the first remains to be found? Two pairs of boots, actually, mm-hmm. one of them containing a foot that mm-hmm. it was later confirmed to be Lisanne's foot. Mm-hmm. And later on, a piece of half of the pelvis yep. of Chris Kremers was yeah, found, found, washed up on that same river. And in the following months, I think, until uh, August or September of that very same year, different remains of the girls were found were, scattered mm. around, like uh, over 30 or 33 mm-hmm. pieces yes. of remains. Most um, of them skeletal. Mm. Yes. It was uh, it, it was mentioned by the local authorities and, and uh, also by the, a lot of the, the local residents that... The river was known for being quite aggressive, and that when when they did have uh, uh, you know flash floods or or heavy rain, that anything that was washed down that river go over a lot of jagged, sharp, rocky areas and would effectively just be ground down. So hence, why it's not un- unusual that all that was found with bones is not only. They were found uh, human remains, the human remains of Greece and Lisan. But more about, there were also found other uh, human bodies up there, up little scattered remains mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. What I could find is that there was found uh, the bones of an infant and of another young woman. And the only information that you can get about that is that it was confirmed to belong to someone in the Alto Romero community, that is the Negobi uh, community, the Mm -hmm. indigenous community. Mm. It appears to be, and this is very, Mm. I mean, I guess it it tells a bit about uh, how um, the life uh, conditions Mm. are for the indigenous people around that people would often get lost in the jungle and die and they won't report it to the authorities. Mm. And it seems like the police never didn't try to do any research to know, figure out what happened with these other people Mm. that died in the jungle for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. The relations between authorities and the local indigenous people, perhaps that they don't uh, warrant enough importance to bother investigating. In June, when the first remains were found, Mm -hmm. uh, the Panamanian police actually uh, was officially investigating the disappearance of the girls as a possible abduction or it was uh, considered Mm -hmm. the possibility of some foul play uh, being involved. The forensics couldn't find the matter of death. Mm-hmm. The skulls of the girls were never found and actually the bones didn't give uh, enough evidence to tell uh, how and why they died. Mm. And something that really sticks with me is the difference of uh, the decomposition mm. between the remains because the foot 
that um, belonged to Lisanne was uh, starting to decompose. It mm. actually had maggots and had flesh and skin. Meanwhile, the remains of Chris were completely, completely, completely free of tissue, and mm. they appeared to be sun bleached. So they were white and clean, and they didn't have any sort of markings mm. in them. After some research was done, uh, it was actually discovered that they had some phosphorus mm. on them. Mm. They appeared to have been actually uh, intervened with some sort of chemical. That being said, phosphorus is quite commonly used in fertilizer. So mm -hmm. it is possible that they came in contact with uh, outwash from a farm or a, a village area somewhere down the, uh, the river. It could have been either phosphorus or uh, lime. Lime. Lime, yeah. which is also used by farmers also when they need to get rid of uh, the carcass mm -hmm. of an animal and also in agriculture. Mm. Yet, and this is very interesting, uh, what the Panamanian police would actually uh, said by the end of the investigation, mm -hmm. quote-unquote investigation, was that the girls had probably died in an accident. Mm -hmm. So the theory, the hypothesis, mm -hmm. is, is not the same, right? Yeah, the, the hypothesis. Hypo the yeah. hypothesis. Mm -hmm. The hy hypothesis. Thank you. That the Panamanian police gave was that uh, the girls have uh, continued the trekking trip. Mm -hmm. They had uh, become lost mm -hmm. in the jungle and while trying to uh, cross a cable bridge, a very unsafe uh, structure that is often used by the natives around to cross the ridge, uh, mm. the rivers. Yep. Lisanne would have uh, allegedly fall and break her foot and be either dead or incapacitated to keep walking. Mm -hmm. Meantime, Chris Kremers would have allegedly left her to find help. Mm -hmm. And she herself had succumbed uh, to, yeah, to nature. Some, yeah, some form of misadventure. And that their remains were scattered around by the river the same way as the backpack. And that was the explanation, mm -hmm. quote-unquote, that the Panamanian police uh, gave mm -hmm. for this crime. But uh, mm -hmm. how come was the backpack almost intact if it had been dragged by the river? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, also found at the, at, very, the most northern yeah, river, river point exactly. of where all the bones, the point where the bones have been found mm -hmm. are quite a long way. The backpack yeah. was eight and a half yes. kilometers in a direct line as the crow flies from where the end of the trail is. Mm -hmm. And for them to traverse some of that terrain, which mm -hmm. is heavily forested and there are a lot of gullies there are a lot of um high spurs to to traverse would just seem absolutely phenomenal and also the point that why would they keep heading north, north. i mean it it's it appears that they didn't have a compass for a start so maybe they were they were just absolutely completely lost 
that being said, even if you just have a, a basic grasp of orienteering or, you know, hiking or navigation, navigating roughly by the morning and afternoon sun, you can get a rough idea east Where and west. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, that is an speculation. Like, people can get lost and panic very easily, to be honest. Absolutely. It's, it's also very, very suspicious, the fact that, okay, if, if the Panamanian police uh, says that the girls got lost around the same time, and they were together and they cut they must have died around the same time and the remains were scattered by the river mm-hmm. how come the bone marrow of the bones of Chris Kremer mm-hmm. was dry because that's another uh, data that that's another detail that the forensics got that the bone mm-hmm. marrow was dry Mm-hmm. and it had been intervened with phosphorus or lime or, or lime. some sort mm-hmm. of chemical. Well, yeah. what the Panamanian police said was that maybe the acid, mm-hmm. the, the, that acid substance that had um, cleaned the bones, so called, so to speak, mm-hmm. might have might have belonged mm-hmm. to an animal that had mm-hmm. swallowed and then puke and or regurgitated it back up. Regurgitated like a like an anaconda or <laughs> like something. Like an anaconda, but yeah. a pelvis is a very big bone. Anacondas are huge, though, and it they wouldn't. Are huge. Yeah, it wouldn't be out of. Uh, yeah. Poss- the possibility that. But the bones didn't have any sort of marking either. That is true, and the. So it, it that's it's just pure speculation at this point. I mean, there also are natural deposits of lime. Mm-hmm. And I believe they do occur in this area. No. No, they don't? No, Ooh. the police, the police, uh, the Panamanian police had actually taken some samples Ooh. from around the places where the bones were found. And there was and no... there was no oh. chemical, exactly. Ah, okay. Like, there is so much information about this case that is very insane to try to get a grip get of pa- it. Get past it all, yeah. Now, we are just scratching and... Like I said, there is a lot of speculation, mm-hmm. you know, when, when a case like this, when you have like mm-hmm. young, white females that Particularly get in a Particularly tu- in a heavily touristed area that they don't necessarily want to lose any of the tourist attention, attention that they do take it very seriously. And in that respect, there is a lot of forensic information and there was a lot of investigating. Officially, the Panamanian police says that it was an accident and also the Dutch forensics arrived to a similar question even though all the different contradictions. Yes, but that being said, I think they come to that conclusion because there isn't any conclusive evidence of foul play. So that's why they can't, you know, they can't definably say that, you know, there were markings on some of the bones that would imply that they were, you know, uh, saw violence. There are no stab mm-hmm. grind marks or or shattering yes. of, of impact from a, a, a heavy club or a hammer or, you know, there are no knife gouges in the in the bones or anything. There are no, you know, saw marks. For instance, there is there is literally just no forensics that would indicate uh, foul play involved. 
you know, as as you said, the skulls are missing. The skull, well, the skulls have never been found. Let me put it that way. The skulls yeah. haven't been found, and that purely may just be because they disintegrated in the rocks, or they just haven't been found. They're sitting on the bottom of that river somewhere, and may have been purely down to misadventure and you know, very unfortunate circumstances. Or, you know, the opposite end is that uh, someone did attack them and stating where mm-hmm. we are at the moment is all there is no conclusive evidence. There is a lot of unpacking in here, but I think one of the main obstacles in the solving of this case mm. and... Uh, the first thing that I would like to point out, at least, is that the evidence that was found around this case was contaminated from the very beginning. Mm. There are some uh, some authorities that are actually um, a Panamanian uh, criminologist called Humberto Mas, that is the head of uh, a forensics institute from Panama, mm. and also the... Um, and also the Dutch forensic Frank van de Goot. Van de Goot. Actually point out the uh, different flaws that uh, the investigation had. For instance, um, the backpack and all the items that were inside it were searched for um, for fingerprints. But surprisingly enough, or the, that they, they, they discovered over 30 different uh, fingerprints mm-hmm. in the possessions of the girls, but they were never compared to anyone. So mm-hmm. basically, the Panamanian police took the fingerprints and mm-hmm. they did nothing with that. With that and, information. Mm-hmm. And we cannot find the reason of why they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It is also pointed out that some of the volunteers and the people that were mm-hmm. taking part of the search uh, weren't using uh, gloves. No. They, they, they not weren't. even the police was no. using gloves to Mm-mm-mm. hang, uh, to handle the, they weren't, the evidence. They weren't observing best forensic practice. Exactly. It was also found um, the shorts of Chris Kremers mm-hmm. were found uh, floating in the river, but there is actually uh, some, the tour guys, because mm-hmm. they were also the volunteers that took part in this, that found them, they would initially said that they were found in a tree and some other people said that they were found folded near a river. Mm-hmm. But the people that found them actually said that they were found floating in the river mm. or Just in, in the a rock. water. Yeah. yeah, in the water. So there was a lot of this Contradictory information. information. Yes. Yeah. Not to mention that the backpack was actually handled to the police 48 hours mm, after mm. it was found and it was actually handled to a different person that wasn't. Yeah. But as you said, it was found by some some local... A local woman that gave it to Feliciano, yes, the tour guy. Who, who was a, a landowner. And then he went and passed it on to the authorities. So exactly. the chain of evidence had been contaminated Two or three times over by the time it actually made it to uh, yeah. forensics. So we are not even sure where the backpack was actually mm. found. And about uh, Feliciano, the tour guide, there was some... Uh, how can I say it? Some... Um, speculation. There was some speculation, mm. but uh, it's very easy in these cases to 
pick a scapegoat mm. whenever a victim is a white and young woman, mm. let alone mm. an European woman in a country different mm. than or a place different. And than also Europe. just wanting someone easy to to blame to you know to to close the case quickly and easily so that uh, there's a conclusion mm. and uh, um being that said mm. there were also there were some people that they're like contradictory or different uh, mm. opinions and um, about the role of Feliciano this mm. tour guy mm. some people will say that he was a uh, honest working local that did his thing and mind his business mm -hmm. like anybody else some people uh, that had taken his services as a tour guide would say that he was a bit touchy mm. around uh, his clients and that he had some sort of preference for picking European young women mm -hmm. as clients mm. he was also said um, there are some pictures of him in a riverbank on in a hot springs taking spending the time with the tourists and apparently that is not a thing that tour guides are about to do i i read something like it was illegal so i don't know if there is some sort of there, code yeah, may, there may be some sort of professional code of conduct for tour guides which isn't uncommon in a lot of yeah you know in a lot of industries so for some people he was a bit too intimate in mm. maybe a sketchy or creepy gay with creepy way with, with young, young young women young women that's exactly. true exactly and it was also said that uh, he had allegedly entered the room where the girls were in the house of Miriam Guerra mm. that is he was the first person to get to the authorities to to report the to missing. report the missing mm. but he had also enter allegedly to the bedroom of the girls before mm. he called the police so that could be either pure ignorance uh, or genuine concern or genuine concern or some people said maybe he was looking forward evidence that would implicate him him or it was just an alleged yeah or it's, yeah complete mistake or falsification So, again, there's just so many about that points also, of evidence mm -hmm. that some of them contradict and some of them just pile upon the other pieces of evidence and infuriatingly don't actually lead to anything. Anything. Mm. So we know that officially it was it was initially an investigation for an abduction and ended up being an alleged accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the last thing you would want is for your to have your tourism industry tarnished is that there are nefarious actors in particularly wild areas that are abducting and disappearing young women and tourists and tourists, for the <laughs> um, which is absolute nightmare fuel. I mean, it, there are literally horror movies made about this exact premise. So it isn't something that is unknown to the uh, yeah to the to the human psyche. And in the Lost in the Wild documentary that was uh, aired on the Travel Channel, we we can see we can get to see uh, the Dutch forensic mm. investigator Frank van der Goot 
saying that this area in particular, Boquete, has a bit of a reputation and not one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, it's basically a hot spot for uh, missing people or unsolved cases and well-being Panama, like Central America, mm -hmm. it's also said or there is alleged versions that around that area, the north of the summit mm. of the Pianista Trail would be an alleged place for a, well, drug cartel activity and mm -hmm. drug trafficking mm -hmm. activity. Yet yeah. there are no indicators that show up that this was the case. No, I mean, it well, appears that in their search over the area where the girls were missing there it's not like there was a a cocaine uh refining drug lab or a, yeah, exactly. or a you know even though manuel noriega was a panamanian uh president mm -hmm. um and for a long time oversaw a massive drug empire there was nothing like that in the at least in the region yeah even though panama you know, due to the canal and its massive shipping international uh, reach is known as a, a hotspot and targeted by the UN Anti-Drugs Administration mm -hmm. for trafficking of narcotics and other activities, that there was nothing even remotely that uh, intense in this particular yeah. region in this particular national park where yeah. where the trails were it could be true i think there are, i i tend to think that this was probably a case of abduction i tend to believe mm -hmm. that some someone or some people mm -hmm. Uh, took part in the death of the girls mainly because of the state of the bones mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the remains i just don't understand how the backpack would get in that place. Mm. Or more to the fact that, for me, the electrics, the mm -hmm. electrical items... Were, were still working. Were still functional. And if, not, if, yeah. if the backpack was dragged around by the river, that is the official explanation mm -hmm. for the crime. But there is also a lot of myth. I, I get the feeling that, being a Latin American myself, mm -hmm. people tend to see our countries as some sort of uh, no man lands mm -hmm. in which naive innocent white european tourists could go and be butchered by mm. some psycho or some cartel it seems it's a bit of a negative stereotype mm -hmm. that uh, i think hangs around latin american countries there are also other hypotheses that are a bit wild such as um, that the girls were taken by some sort of uh, organ trafficking organization and they, well, they were murdered for their body parts. But the trouble with that hypothesis is that uh, there are no, like, you, settlements no, yeah. that could do that around Alto Romero. There is, like, this village of indigenous people that mm. live in very precarious uh, yeah. instances. You don't... I, I don't really see a, a clandestine, clandestine, or yeah, clan, a, a yeah, illegal, yeah, yeah. an illegal uh, organ, organ harvesting facility. facility. I mean, a lot of these yeah. places don't have running water or there's no stable electricity, now. let alone s vaguely adequate 
surgical facilities that would allow you to harvest organs to a point that you could then sell them on uncontaminated. Yeah, I, I find that to be very far-fetched. A bit of a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, I also listening to to different podcasts that are, are made in the US, some theory about the girls being eaten alive by pygmy cannibals. And I find that kind of offensive, to be honest. Yeah. Because, you know, there are indigenous people living around there, but they are not pygmy cannibals. No. And there is no evidence in the bones that show that... Well, yeah, that's it. If they were being... Non. There were no implements, there were no teeth marks. There was nothing of that description... Yeah, yeah it, it, it I think that's just a bit of... Sounds like the Green Inferno. Yeah, me. yeah, exactly. Or, sounds like a movie. Or one of the yeah early uh, Itani- Italians... Cannibal uh, 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 Holocaust. Yeah, Cannibal Holocaust or... Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, one of the video nasties from, from the early 80s, which, no, I don't... I, I think that's just a bit of... As... A, a bit of... Negative stereotype. Yeah, some white fantasy. About how Latin American indigenous people live and behave around people. That's the sort of stuff I'd expect from Alex Jones or... Yeah. Yeah, one of those those commentators. The foul play theory. Mm -hmm. So we have Feliciano that might have been a bit touchy Mm -hmm. and have some weird behavior with some tourists. But the thing is, uh, he's also a rancher, so he might uh, have access to the chemical elements. That's true. That's true. I mean... That were found in the bones, but the same as other settlements. Mm. If if you see, if you look for any sort of walk through the the trail made by some tourist Mm -hmm. in YouTube, there are plenty. You can see that actually this trail is not as wild as it looks. Mm. Like it's a forest jungle and getting lost is very easy. But you can see small houses or huts, this and around. So it is is very sparsely populated, Mm -hmm. but it is populated. And it isn't the deepest, darkest jungle jungle you will ever see. Yeah. So it's very it's, uh, like let's say if the girls got lost because they made a nine one one call, an mm. emergency call yeah. on the very day that they were lost at mm-hmm. uh, six um, at four p.m. That makes you think that they were trying to get help very early on mm. on their trail. And why is that? Were they lost? Was one of them injured? Were they being followed by someone? Mm. And if so, if they, if we can find activity in their phones until the eighth of April, mm. and the mm. night pictures were made on the na- on the eighth of April, so that is a week after they disappear. Mm. The eighth of April, we can see that they they were still in the jungle. So where were they all these days? Were they running around? They were lost while all these, all these people were looking Searching for them. Searching for them. There were helicopters flying overhead. And they didn't find them. Mm. No one can say anything definitively. The authorities, as you said, have ruled it as misadventure and that they most likely had an accident. And who knows what happened after that. The the one thing they unfortunately can say is that both girls are both deceased. Maybe one day 
more will come out. Someone may reveal something or that one crucial piece of information could be found will be revealed, but until that day we are left with the well the profound sense of a unsolved case that the disappearance and, and eventual death of these two young women is unfortunately unknowable at this point. And that's where we unfortunately will leave it in that area of limbo. If there are any updates, uh, if, if there are any further discoveries, we will no doubt update this episode, but I think we'll leave it here today. We will see you around for the next case. Where Indeed. can our listeners find us well, in the media? We are on most of the podcast platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. And if you just search for A History of Evil Men, you will find us. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.